Scott reminded us, and as Sally lit that candle, we are in the fourth Sunday of Advent. The waiting has been going on a while now. We're getting really close to the winter solstice, the longest nights of the year, when the planet is the furthest away from the sun. It's been quite a year on planet Earth, and Advent feels particularly appropriate to me these days as we wait in the dark for what? For meaning, for light, for hope, for something to show us that this still is a benevolent universe. I mean, come on, 2016. (laughs) You've been brutal. And we want to enjoy Christmas. We are ready for some light. But today, we're still in Advent. And the, the days are getting darker, and the nights are getting longer. So I'm going to take us into a little darkness today. The light can't really feel like the light if we just skip over the darkness. Today's gospel story focuses on Joseph, and we don't hear or see Mary. She has no voice in this story. The other Bible passage we're really familiar with that tells the same story, the one in Luke, focuses on Mary, and we don't hear anything about Joseph in that one. So it's kind of cool that we have two versions of this story. Matthew is all about the fulfillment of the prophecy in Jesus. This passage, it's the very first chapter of the book of Matthew. It's the very beginning of the New Testament. Matthew 1, 18 to 25. But in case you were wondering, Matthew 1, 1 through 18, just before the passage you heard, Matthew gives us a long genealogy leading up to Jesus. He's showing us how Jesus fulfills the prophecy through the line of David. Here's how the book of Matthew begins. An account of the genealogy of Jesus the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. And Matthew ends his entire book with the resurrected Jesus saying these words to his disciples as he sends them out into the world. And remember, I am with you always to the end of time. So Matthew frames his entire gospel around this fulfilled promise of Emmanuel in Jesus, God with us. People like to think of Jesus' birth as this sweet and charming event, probably because of Luke's manger story and the many children's pageants that take place this time of year. But in Matthew, there is some darkness If we were to read the very next sentences after this one, and we will on Epiphany, we find out that right after Jesus is born, Herod wants to kill him. And he kills all the babies under two years old in and around Bethlehem. Jesus' family has to flee to Egypt. They remain refugees until they finally settle in Nazareth. So that part of it isn't really a twinkly, happy Christmas story, even though beneath it all are layers of the deepest joy and profound mystery. But Jesus is born in a very dark time, which I sometimes forget. 
And in contemplating baby Jesus and his young parents fleeing Herod, I can't help but think of the refugees fleeing or trying to flee from Syria. I can't help it. And I don't want to because it's almost Christmas. I haven't been reading or watching the news much the last few weeks. I've needed a break. I'm sure some of you can relate. It seems that these days people are either throwing themselves into the news voraciously or avoiding it. And both are fine. We all need different things. Somehow it took me preaching on the incarnation to get me to read the news. But I guess that's good because the famous theologian Karl Barth said that one must preach with the Bible in one hand and the newspaper in the other. So really, you can blame Scott for asking me to preach today. (laughs) But I want to talk about those iconic images we see in the news from time to time. You know the images I'm talking about. They become iconic because something about them arrests us. They pierce through our numbness, and they break our hearts. I'm thinking about iconic images like the photo of that anonymous man standing in front of the line of tanks at Tiananmen Square. They called him the Tank Man. I'm thinking of that girl running naked through the street of Vietnam. They called her Napalm Girl. Or last year, that Syrian toddler on the beach. These images capture something much larger And they are so hard to look at because they hurt so much. And they often represent something very wrong with the world. The word iconic is closely linked with icon. Praying with icons, it's a spiritual practice that we don't hear a lot about. um, But it's a very vibrant practice in the Eastern Church. And an icon is typically a religious painting, usually of the Holy Family or of a saint. And the idea is that these images serve as doorways to something beyond. They are thought to teach the heart spiritual truths that the mind cannot. And the practice entails gazing upon these icons as a way of praying with our eyes open. I'm going to pass out an icon right now that I stumbled upon this week. And then we'll take a few moments of silence as we pray with our eyes open. And some of you might have to share. Try not to analyze it. Just let it encounter you. Breathe it in, pray through it, and allow whatever feelings that come just to be. This little boy is Omran Daknish, age five, and some of you will recognize him because he has become an iconic image for the situation in Aleppo right now. The photo was taken in August of him sitting in the back of an ambulance just having been rescued from the rubble. He has this lost and disoriented look on his face and he's covered in dust. 
And the artist of this particular icon took that famous photo and made it into an icon. It takes courage to look at it because it hurts and it's unsettling and it's almost Christmas. Mother Teresa would say this is an example of one of God's most distressing disguises. Sometimes the long expected savior doesn't look like the one we've been expecting. Sometimes Jesus comes to us in the stuff we don't want to look at. Like Joseph in the gospel passage when he wants to dismiss Mary quietly instead of deal with the shocking and shameful thing that has happened. But this morning, let's not dismiss it quietly. For a moment, let's let this be the face of Jesus. Like Joseph, who says yes to the angel's command to not abandon the pregnant Mary. Let's stay with what this image evokes in us. The Jewish philosopher Emmanuel Levinus says that the only thing that really converts people is the face of the other. But I've been avoiding these faces, especially the faces of the children. When I finally allowed myself to go through some of these images this week, I finally cried. I finally let it in. And according to Parker Palmer, there are either two ways for the heart to break. It will either break into a thousand shards or it will break open into a greater capacity to hold the world, the world's pain and joy. So there is a risk, but what's the alternative? This is dark and it's Advent and we are waiting for the good news for the light to pierce the darkness. And Matthew's gospel is all about the good news. You shall name him Jesus, Yehoshua, the Savior, Emmanuel, God with us. But what does that mean in the face of this face? I'm going to show you another icon. It's the sacred heart. There's two icons like this. One is the sacred heart of Jesus, and one is the immaculate heart of Jesus. I didn't know there were two. And this one that I happen to have at home is Mary's immaculate heart because there are roses, and that's how you know. And Jesus' sacred heart would have a crown of thorns around it and a sword piercing its side. Both hearts are aflame, on fire, pierced, wounded, and on fire with love. This, this is the light of the world, right here. This is what we're waiting for in Advent. And I've been seeing a lot of it lately in the people around me and in the news and sometimes it takes the darkness to wake it up. Richard Rohr writes, Our wounds are God's hiding places. He says, We are saved by gazing upon the wounded one and loving there our own woundedness and everyone else's too. 
God comes into the mess. God doesn't wait until we are ready or until it's convenient. God comes. And the thing is, everything can become an icon. That's part of what this story today tells us. God is here in matter, in bread and wine, in the face of our children, in our partner, in the stranger, and in our very hurting hearts. So let us pray with our eyes open this Advent and this Christmas. God will be with us as we gaze upon what is. And as Paul says in the book of Romans, for I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord.